Chapter 18 of A Boy Crusoe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Boy Crusoe by Alan Eric. Chapter 18 The March Continued, Arrival on the Mountain. As we went on, our cheerfulness returned. We saw occasional pigeons and many beautiful plumaged birds among which were parrots and parroquets that kept up a noisy clatter. We also encountered a species of brown and yellow ground snake about two feet long, which did not appear to be harmful, as it always seemed anxious to get away. Frogs, small lizards, and crabs were plentiful, and I presume some of the latter were edible. Coming to a thicket of thornbush just as the dusk began to settle across our path, we prepared to camp for the night. A square space was cleared in the thicket, some leafy branches were laid across the top to serve as a roof, wood was gathered, and a fire was built in front, and we proceeded to roast a few yams and two fat pigeons that I had shot late in the afternoon, and opening a can of peaches, we made a bountiful repast. We soon sought repose, and, as no sound save the murmuring of the breeze through the trees came from the forest, sleep came quickly to all of us. We were aroused the next morning at daybreak by Puff, who was screaming at the top of his voice at a flock of wild parrots in the trees above, and in an incredibly short time we were again on the march. We had proceeded only a short distance when we came to a small open place covered with grass, and we were about to skirt its edge when close in front of us came an angry woof. Wild pigs, I cried, greatly alarmed, for from my previous encounter I understood their savage nature. At the moment an ugly-looking boar showed his head directly in front of us. Mr. Harborough was about to fire, but I restrained him, knowing that the least disturbance might bring a drove of these savage beasts upon us. Let us quietly withdraw as quickly as possible, I said, and make a detour of the forest. This plan was carried out, and to my great relief, successfully, for the boar disappeared in the grass, and we saw no more of it. Having the compass, we were able to keep the right direction, pushing forward rapidly, only stopping a short time at midday for dinner, and the sun was yet high in the heavens when we came to the first rising ground, and I knew that we had reached the foot of the mountain. Presently I saw familiar landmarks, and I was able to lead the way to the top. The beacon was standing exactly as I had left it. We proceeded to my cave dwelling, where everything was found pretty much as I had left it, except that the barricade before the door showed some decay. There was still some time before nightfall, during which, after depositing our sacks within, we cut a quantity of grass for beds, and gathered a quantity of firewood. We also partitioned off one corner of the room for Marjorie, fixing a bamboo across, to which hung coconut cloth which we found in abundance a short distance away, fastening it together with pegs, and thus we were comfortably settled soon after our arrival, and as we enjoyed the evening meal, we talked over future plans. I promised to show my companions the ruined wall in the morning, as we retired to rest. The orange trees and banana plants near the ruin were still thrifty and bore abundant fruit, and we regaled ourselves as I showed my companions the old wall. Mr. Harborough took the greatest interest in it, and we speculated as to its origin. Other matters, however, engaged our attention from day to day. The compass was taken to the foot of the beacon, and the bearings of the land which I had discovered in the distance accurately determined. It lay exactly southeast, half-east from where we stood. In my opinion, said Mr. Harborough, this small island where we now are is one of the most northeasterly of the Virgin Islands, and that land in the distance is one of the same group. But, I said, 
if that is the case should we not be able to see some of the other islands to the westward i was aware that there were several islands in the virgin group not necessarily he answered for they lie very low on the ocean we spent much time about the beacon improving our habitation in gathering fruit and shooting pigeons for our larder and we took twelve days in making a trip to the low southeast coast marching along the shore and returning from the northeast we found animal life even scarcer than on the west side birds were not so plentiful though we found some pigeons and saw plenty of little green lizards and crabs we made no discoveries that promised to be of use to us on our return i took my companions to the mouth of the guano cave but marjorie declined to enter and mr harborough did not appear anxious to do so we made frequent trips to the ruined wall and searched the enclosure carefully the more we studied it the more we were convinced that the wall had served as a foundation for some structure one day as we were returning with fruit mr harborough had fallen behind to examine a spot which had escaped attention when we were arrested by a sudden exclamation from him he had dropped upon his knees and was eagerly clearing away the plants and grass with his hands we hastened to him inquiring what he had discovered he pointed to a square flat stone it was about four feet square and seemed to open like a hatchway he had stepped upon it and felt it rock very slightly beneath his weight but enough to attract his attention did the stone conceal an opening the entrance to an ancient dungeon or a treasure vault we were nearly overcome with excitement not unmixed with awe and i confess to a feeling of dread as i contemplated what might be below if the stone really covered an opening to a subterranean chamber End of chapter eighteen